0: It's very interesting. Last Tuesday at Tuesday Bible Launch, I did a little message uh, on, oh, I entitled it last Sunday, Disruptive Moments. God had put that on my heart. And uh, by disruptive moments, I, I'm talking about things that happen. And, and it, it may not just disrupt a moment like on the clock. Sometimes these disruptive moments may go for hours or days or even weeks. But they are not what you call the other side of the coin, a devastating losses. Now, I had no idea when I did my little message at Tuesday Bible Lunch last Tuesday, that in less than two hours after I finished that message, we were going to experience the tornado, which for many resulted in just kind of disruptive moments, but for many others, uh, devastating losses. Now you say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference would be like with a tornado, uh, some people maybe just had a fence blown down. That's, that'd just be a disruptive moment. But there are other people that had their entire house just done away with. And then others, their homes, you can't stay in them right now, they're in such bad shape. Now those are devastating losses. Uh, now, as far as, the, see, many, many had, you know, you didn't, you, you didn't have any of that. You know, maybe your your only disruptive moment was like trying to get down Fairmont when the red lights weren't working. That was kind of a disruptive, like for example, this boot I'm wearing, you know. Now this is not a devastating loss, it's a disruptive moment. Now it's going on for about four weeks right now and I don't know how many more weeks we have this, but this is one kind of thing. Now this week, we had church families that had what I would call devastating losses, not from the tornado, Now, some that, but other things came into people's lives. And here's here's the whole point. As I was working on the message for last Tuesday, and then when we had the tornado, I thought about, well, you know, some having devastating losses, some having disruptive moments. But as you look back on your life, now, depending on how old you are, the more you'd see this. But as I look back on my life, and I look back on things in my life, and and I say, you know, now that was a little devastating loss, and a, de- a devastating moment, or, uh, uh, and there was a devastating loss or disruptive moment. What? But you learn from these things. You really do you begin to see some trends and some lessons that you can learn. So this morning, if you'll take your bulletin and open it, your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 1, I wanna just talk about lessons that we learn from disruptive moments and devastating losses. And as I thought about that, I thought who in the Bible would be a great example. And I thought, oh, I know, one of the good examples would be the Apostle John. Now, you know, the Apostle John He was one of the most devoted followers Jesus had. Uh, He he was with Jesus, the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, He was like, if Jesus had had what we today would know as a cabinet, like the president has a cabinet. Well, Jesus kind of had a cabinet of three. And the Apostle John was one of those three. And you know he was—he sat next to Jesus at the Lord's Supper. The Bible tells us that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. So the Apostle John was a close follower of Jesus. Yet he really had appeared in his life that I think he would say was a very much disruptive moment. And we see it in Revelation chapter one, verse number nine. So let me just read. In verse nine, John says, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering in God's kingdom in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. He received this vision that God gave to Jesus. Jesus sent it by this angel to John. And he's right into these seven churches that we read about in the book of Revelation. But look in the the second part of that verse. He said, I was exiled to the island of Patmos. Why? Why? For preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus Christ. So, lesson learned, and I wish you'd write in your bulletin, disruptive moments and, and devastating losses happened to the most faithful followers of Jesus. We need to get that in our head. Sometimes we have this idea that if I'm a Christian, I will be exempt from these things in life that I wish had not come. Well, as you read the Bible, you find just the opposite of that and how true that is for the Apostle John. Now, this little island of Patmos, I've been there either two or three times, but it's out, it's it's on the coast of what today would be modern Turkey, before that Asia Minor. And it's it's an island about ten miles long, and it the widest point about six miles wide. It's very it's very barren and it's, 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 it's rocky. And, and the Romans would put prisoners on this island. That would be like, it's kind of like their Alcatraz of their day. They would put their prisoners there. And John was there. Why you say was John there? Well, the emperor of Rome called himself, listen to this, Lord Savior, He referred to himself as the Lord and the Savior. Well, he hated Christians. Why did he hate Christians? Because they called Jesus Lord and Savior. And so John was preaching the Word of God. John was giving a testimony about Jesus. And so the emperor said, well, we'll stop this. We'll just put him over on this island called Patmos. That'll get him out of the way. And no one will hear any more about this Jesus stuff from him. Well, that's kind of the background. As I think about that, I think, well, you know, it's interesting, Uh, here he is, a, a devoted follower of Jesus, and now he's in this situation. Remember this, no one is exempt from these bad things taking place, these situations that we wish had not come. Now, as I thought about that, I thought about, and I looked, I need to fast forward and illustrate that like today. And I thought, well, how do I do that? Because I know many devoted followers of Jesus that have gone through a lot of difficult, challenging situations. And I thought, well, if I mention one family and don't mention another, then I thought this, what about some former staff members of this church? Now, I could take the present staff of this church and mentioned some of them that have gone through some very difficult things. But I thought, no, I'm going to take four former staff members of this church that were devoted followers of Jesus Christ then and they are now. And yet they have really gone through some very difficult things. And so I began to think about that. And the first one I thought about was Roland Hill for many, many years, 20-something years. He was the assistant pastor of this church. And interestingly, he's been retired now in August 25 years. And he's still faithful in the church. He and him in the first service. He still teaches his Sunday school class. But years and years ago, their only son died young. That was tough. They have daughters. That was their only son. He was as devoted a follower as I've ever known, then and now. Then I thought, there's Mary Lou Farrell. Mary Lou, for years, in fact, she's worked at the church two or three different times in our children's ministry. They had a daughter, she and John. They have more than one daughter, but one named Kim. At that time, they lived on the very street we live on. And Kim had cancer. Kim died another example. Then I thought, well, I know another former employee that is as faithful follower of the Lord Jesus as any I've ever known. Don Piper sitting right over here. Don and Eva. For years, Don was our minister on our staff here. And then uh, he realized that the book that he was in the process of getting finished was going to be a ministry of his own. And it certainly has been that. But, you know, there's another example. Just not many weeks ago, Nicole goes to be with the Lord. I thought about that. A faithful follower. You know, in our singing Christmas tree, if I have this right, Nicole had told you and both sons, don't, don't not do what you've signed up to do, no matter what happens to me. But on Friday night, I was sitting on the front row of this second section. That's where I sat every night for the tree. Don and I had a seat there. And during the tree, you know, they have this deal where they have people going off the platform and they go out through here and they're they're gonna finally take Jesus over here and crucify him. And Don had the role of a Pharisee. Don, you're the best Pharisee I've ever known. You are. It was on Friday night. That's the night Nicole went to be with the Lord. I'm sitting right back there, as you know. You come by dressed as a Pharisee. Nobody much would even know who you were because of what you were wearing unless they just knew you. When you walked by me, I just gave you a fist. And you gave me a fist. I thought a lot about that. That's the best sermon I ever heard you preach. You didn't say a word. You just gave me a fist. But I, there's another example of a family that has been faithful followers, but they, they weren't exempt. And then this week, Jerry Squires. For years, he was minister of education. When I came to the church, he remained as minister of education for a good number of years. And Jerry just had a heart for missions, and he left the staff of the church to go into mission work, which he still is in and has done and is doing a phenomenal job. And our church monthly supports that ministry. It's this is an incredible thing. But listen, at this Wednesday, this Wednesday. Each Wednesday, if I have the story right, Jerry goes to some public school to mentor one little boy. One little boy. He goes to this, every Wednesday he goes. This past Wednesday he goes and he's mentoring this young boy. Comes home at noon. His wife, Fran, is going to be with the Lord. Now, I thought about these things this week and I thought, boy, listen, I need to, I need to deal with this with the church. We need to understand that even the most faithful followers of Jesus Christ go through some very difficult things in life. We're not exempt. We're not exempt because we try to serve the Lord. We try to be faithful to God. We live in a fallen world and things are going to happen. But as believers, uh, we have something in us and someone for us that non-believers don't have. And that's just a little quick lesson. Number two, disruptive moments and devastating losses leave us with more questions than answers. You ought to write that one down. (laughs) You really do. I mean, go back to those four examples. Well, what about the Apostle John? Well, there's no question why he was on Patmos. In fact, the Bible says... uh, I, I was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. So what's, why was he there? The Roman emperor. But the unanswered question, listen to this. This is the one we always ask. Where was God when all this was going on? And the answer is right in the middle of it. Hear me, right in the middle of it. You know, It's amazing. God was right there. It's it's, it's another illustration Be the Apostle Paul. He was in the tragedy of Roman prisons when he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, the prison epistles. So, you know, you say, well, what's the deal? Now, what we get into here is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. In other words, God is all powerful. And so God has power. He can do whatever he wills. You're going to write a Bible verse down. Psalm 115. You're going to jot this reference down. Psalm 115, verse 3. Psalm 115, verse 3 says something like this God is in heaven and can do whatever he pleases. That's the sovereignty of God. So everything that happens, listen carefully, is either God's will or it is God's permissive will. God allowed it to happen. Now, we don't always understand why. I'm sure the Apostle John didn't understand why. Well, he did know about the the emperor, but... But he thought, well, you know, where's God in all this? I'll tell you exactly where God was. He was right there on that island with him. And it was on that island in that cave where the vision was going to come. The same for the apostle Paul. Where was God when he was put in all these prisons? I'll tell you exactly where he was. He was right there with him. And he gave him those books that we call the prison epistles. So I'm saying to you that whatever you go through in life, listen, God didn't necessarily cause it. But God did permit it. There is some purpose. We may live in this life long enough to see it. We may not, but it is a good thing to understand that. And one way to help you understand that is to think about this third thing. Some people respond to disruptive moments and devastating losses in the flesh while others respond in the spirit. Now look in verse 10. Revelation chapter one, verse 10 says, John says, it was the Lord's day. Now that would have been Sunday. The Lord's day became Sunday after the resurrection. So it's in Sunday, it's on Sunday. What was John doing? He said, I was worshiping in the spirit. Now (laughs) he was worshiping in a cave, not a church building like this, but he was worshiping in the spirit. That's interesting to me. You know, you can can be at church and not be in the Spirit. I fear too many are. You can be in the Spirit and not in church. You don't have to wait till you come to church to be in the Spirit. But sad to say, many people are never in church or in the Spirit. But hear me today, when difficult, challenging things come along, you really need to be in the Spirit. And that, to me, is a lesson here. And someone says, well, how do you do that? You might want to jot these down. Number one, keep your focus on Jesus, not the situation. If you just focus on the situation, you'll go crazy. If Don and Eva just focus on the situation, I I don't think they could make it. But if they'll focus on Jesus, they'll, they'll see the Nicole's with the Lord today. She's having her Lord's day in heaven. Now we miss her on earth, but boy, think where she is. Gracious. In heaven. What a glorious thing. How do you, how do you find yourself worshiping the Spirit? Well, not only focus on Jesus, not the situation, but you you listen to the voice of God. Look in verse 10 again. In verse 10, Let's look at it again. He said, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, watch this. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And if we had time, we'd read the rest of this chapter. Jesus, listen to God when you're going through a difficult thing and they do come. Sometimes they're just devastating moments and you may work your way through those in your own energy, you know, but when you face a devastating loss, you won't work your way through that unless you are in the spirit. And how do you get in the spirit? You listen to the voice of God. Primarily that will be the word of God, the Bible. See, when you're going through something difficult, you, you, you don't much feel like reading the Bible. You don't feel like praying. That's when you need a word from God the most. And not only that, there are those times the Spirit of God will just speak to your spirit. That word in the Bible is rhema. Just God's Spirit will speak to your spirit. It never contradicts what the written word says, but it's just God speaks to your spirit and says to you, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Here's a way you can help. Da da. Well, that's how you worship in the Spirit. And then, number three, remember that God is in the midst of the situation. Look again in Revelation and look in chapter one down in verse number 13. We run across it. It says, And standing in the middle of the lampstands, some of your translations, in the midst, the middle. Lampstands talks about these seven churches. So, always remember, whatever you're going through, God's right there. God's in the midst. God's in the middle. And it is a great, great encouragement. And then, boy, people say, well, I just, when I'm going through something hard, I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you this, do what you can do what you can. You ought to write that in your bulletin. In disruptive moments and devastating losses, do what you can. This is what John did. He was there on the island of Patmos. He couldn't go start churches. He couldn't get off the island. So what did he do? He received a vision and he wrote it down just like God told him. We have the book of Revelation. What about, what about Paul when he was in those prisons? What did he do? He did what he could. What did he do? Well, in the prisons, he wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. You do what you can. I want to encourage you when you're going through hard things, listen, do what you can. Now you can't do everything, but you can do some things. That's just what we do as Christians. Now let's relate that to the tornado. Tornado comes. Now to some, maybe to you, Maybe it was just a disruptive moment. You say, well, "What well, maybe, maybe the only effect the torn- tornado had on you, the red lights were out on Fairmont and you just got in all that traffic mess. That, that's, just, that's just a disruptive moment. It's not fun, but, but others, they lost their house. They lost their business. I mean, they, maybe somebody just had a fence blown down. That's a disruptive moment. Thankfully, to my knowledge, this is the amazing thing. No one lost their life. It's just unbelievable that you could have such a powerful storm is what we experienced and nobody to my knowledge has been reported lost their life. Give God glory for that. Give God praise for that. Hallelujah (laughs) to that. Well, well, what do we do? See, my gracious. Well, what we do, we do what we can. We do what we can. Now, if we're going through it, we do what we can. But see, most of us didn't have our house blow away, thankfully. Now, we've got a good number of members that have lost a lot of stuff. But, and we have some who have pretty much lost the whole house, but most not. But most of us in this room, that's probably not the case. So what can we do? Well, we can do what we can. We'll go and help those that have had a hard time out there. Now, Tom Gamble is going to come. And... We've already been busy this week trying to get organized and get something started. And I want Dr. Gamble to come and tell us um, what, we, what, what we've thus
1: done to this moment and what we can next do. Thank you, Dr. Tom. Yes, we will. We, first of all, I just want to let you know that the church has been working since the tornado Came and we appreciated when what we did first is we started out, start getting volunteers that wanted to help, and then we had the deacons uh, contact all the widows. We emailed the widows to make sure. And see what kind of help they did, and we already uh, on Wednesday morning dispatched groups to go out and help them. We had our connection group leaders contact all the members of their connection group. We had staff members in our church and volunteers that went out and gave out meals to people in the community that were just working in their yards, and they would just go and say, "Hey, here's a meal if you want to have that," and and just would say, "We're praying for you." We had people that came and got bags of trash bags and some of John's booklets and, you know, because we want to meet a physical need, but if the if it arrived we wanted to share Jesus Christ with them too during a hard time in their life. But they just went out in the community and they just helped people pick up their yards and help clean their yard. And so that's kind of what we've been doing from Wednesday through Friday. There's some things that we can still do. And if you're here today, we have some, at member services, we have a packet. It has a trash bag in it and some of John's booklets. And what we're just asking you to do is we're just asking, let's be the church. And if you know some people that still need some help, and there are some areas around that still needs help in cleaning up yards, just take one of those packets, go out and just... Ask the people, can we help you with the um, clean your yard? We just want to do that in the name of Jesus Christ, so we want to make those available today so you can go out and get those right after the service. if you've had damage in your house and and you you can call the church, we have volunteers. you call us and tell us what you need, and we 're going to try our best to tr- to help you with that. Now we have a philosophy here at the office. We're just not going to. Now there's some things we can't do, but we're just not going to tell you we can't do that and hang up the phone. We have a philosophy here in the office. If we can't do, it, we're going to help you find a way to do it. And so you call us as a church. Let us be your church to help you and minister to you during this time to find people to help you with whatever damage you may have, or you may have already found people to help that, but you're feeling a little overwhelmed. Well, what better way? to call the church. This is what the church is here for, we can pray for you. You just call us and say, you know, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with everything that's going on. Well, we wanna lift you up in prayer. So those are some things that we all can do. Everybody in this room maybe knows somebody that's been affected, just call them this week. Ask them, is there anything we can do, even inside your house or outside your house? If not, let's just find a way to be the church and minister to people. I know we've had people all weekend long from our church pastor, I found out, that have just been going around to neighborhoods and just kind of helping out. And so thank you for that, but let's just be the church and love the people. Well said, Dr. Tom, well said. Now, now,
0: we, we as a church, we, we are doing the same thing for our members that we did for the flood here. And we're doing the same thing for our members that we did for the people in Louisiana. And that is some of our members Uh, they need just some immediate help financially, and we can't do everything, but we can do what we can do, and so we've got that system started. Now, what we have the advantage here over where we were in Louisiana, in Louisiana, the way we help those people is we knew the director of missions down there, and he connected us with the pastors or he was connected with the pastors and the pastors would tell the director of missions, you know, I've got eight families, here's their names and here's their situation and here's what their needs are. And so we sent checks to the director of missions and things were so bad there that he had to, somehow you couldn't do it by mail to the families because many of the places it couldn't be any mail they'd get all that to them. The difference here is we are here. (laughs) We don't have to go to Louisiana. We can just go over here in Deer Park, just a few blocks away. And in other places, there are families, some of which need some extra help. Now, I sent an email to the finance committee on Friday with my suggestion of, you know, we we can't wait till uh, the next finance committee meeting to... uh, to help people that really are in dire need of some help on the spot. And so because of your faithful giving already, we have money that we can transfer from one fund to another fund. And um, I, 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 th- I called the treasurer of the church first to see if if he felt like this was the right thing. He was 100%. So I emailed that to the finance committee and I feel like they'll feel the same. So... We're already helping. Now, here's the great thing about this though. We won't won't be sending anything by mail. We'll be going in person. And we'll not only be saying, okay, for right now, maybe this little extra will help you get through what you're in now, but we can also spiritually help the people on the spot. This this is a good part. And we already have about eight or nine or 10 of those ready to go out tomorrow, and we'll be doing more this week. If you wanna give to help with a tornado, You just make a check to First Baptist and put a right on it, tornado, right on your envelope, tornado, and we'll put it in that fund also. So what I'm simply saying is, for some people, as bad as this is, that's when Christians rise up and do something to help people. Can I have an amen to that? And we are blessed to have the ability to do that. And so I thank the Lord for that. As I thought about all that, and I felt like it needed to be addressed this morning. I wouldn't want to go to church and leave my church today and, and not anything be said about what my church is doing to help people. I'll tell you what, we already do all we can to help and we're going to do a lot more. We're set up to do that now. But I thought this, what would happen, push the tornado aside, if in life everybody in this room, all of us just did what we could. We can't do everything, but we can all do something. Think what would happen. And then I thought, I'll be at the invitation of my sermon and think what would happen for those who need to be saved if they just did what they could. And here's what you can do this morning. If you are not a Christian, listen to me, you need to be a Christian you do. For when you die, and you will, you want to know for sure that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. Can I have an amen to that? I mean, this deal, well, you know, I've got plenty of time to figure that out. No. Problem with that is we don't know how much that time is. But what we do know is today You can settle your salvation. So I want you to bow. Heads bowed, eyes open, hearts open to the Lord. This morning, if you say, you know, I just want to be sure 100% that I'm a Christian. I want to know that when I die, I'll go to heaven. Well, I'm saying to you this morning, the Bible says you can know that. And I encourage you just from your heart to the heart of God, pray this prayer. Now, just saying these words, they won't make you a Christian. But if you mean what you say, and God knows your heart, God knows your heart, just say, Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sins. I put my sin under the blood of Jesus. I trust you for my salvation. I don't trust myself anymore, God. I don't trust my good life. I don't trust my church membership, my baptism. None of that. All of that combined, God, I admit it will not wash away my sins. Thank you this morning, God. Thank you this morning. I'm placing my faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name.